Welcome to GradCast. On this podcast, I uncover all the do's and don'ts of being an APS grad and the tips and insights you need to know to get the most out of your grad year. Over the next two episodes, we'll address the burning questions current and aspiring APS grads have about the future of the APS. In part one, we'll discuss in-demand skills and qualities. What we're seeing more and more is that shift away from skills to mindsets. In the academy, we're always looking for that curiosity mindset. We'll delve into APS reform. The APS reform office has four main priorities. The first one is an APS that embodies integrity in everything it does. And explore the role of artificial intelligence. We're kind of imagining that AI will be like a team member. You'll have an additional person in your team. That's just a taste of what's to come. Without further ado, let's open the doors and enter GradCast Live. So welcome back to GradCast. I am your host, Cal Merving, and the next two episodes are going to be special because we're not in the studio, we're actually recording live in front of an audience uh, and hopefully some regular listeners of GradCast. And the topic for today's conversation is broadly going to be on the future of the APS. This conversation will take place in two parts. Uh, so for listeners, there's an part two coming in a week's time, so stay tuned for that. In the first part, we're going to be talking about uh, some in-demand skills in the Australian Public Service uh, and some of the priorities for APS reform that grads should know about. In the second part, we're going to talk about the APS Academy and the Australian Government Graduate Development Program, which is run by the APS Commission. We're also going to have a Q&A session at the end, so for our audience here today, there'll be an opportunity to ask some questions for our guests. So have some ready if, if they come up during the session. With that intro out of the way, we're gonna start our conversation. Today, I'm joined by Kristen Bogue, who's the Director of Leadership and Graduate Development at the APS Commission. Kristen, it's great to have you here today. Welcome to the podcast. How do you feel? Oh, super excited. I'm absolutely thrilled to be invited, not only to do a podcast, but to be in front of a live audience too. Super excited. I'm a big fan of podcasts, actually. Um, I listen to everything from uh, po politics to true crime. So uh, I'm really excited. Fantastic. Uh, we're hoping that this podcast is going to stay more on the politics and less on the true crime. We'll see what happens. Um, to start off with, really like to hear about your journey into the APS because you were an APS graduate yourself. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. So, Callum, I was a mature age grad with the Department of Environment. And at that time, it also included uh, water, heritage and the arts. So it was a really diverse um, department and it was just a fantastic time being a graduate. So that was in 2009. Um, I had two small children, so probably quite a different experience to, to most grads. But I'd been living overseas um, for 17 years before that. So oh, sure. I came back to Australia. I'd... I'd, I'd um, I'd lived on the south coast of New South Wales um, and I went to the University of Sydney and, and graduated um, in agricultural science and economics. Um, and I worked for a consultancy for a little while um, looking at how do we reduce greenhouse gases. So that was in the, the late 90, 1990s. Um, I then went, uh, I travelled overseas and I was staying in France for three months and it turned into 17 years. 
Okay. <laughs> so, As it happens, yeah. Yeah. So coming back to Australia, I applied for graduate programs while I was overseas and I actually got accepted into three programs. So I had to choose between uh, the Department of Environment, Department of Education. Yeah. And the other one was the Department of Agriculture. Okay. And what helps you make your choice? I, I think it was the investment of the SES in the recruitment process. So we um, got to, to speak to the SES and I can remember there was a depth secretary actually who had an interview with us as well. Wow. So I thought, you know, to invest at that level into, a grad, into your graduates, it really means that uh, you matter. And I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll go with this agency. Yeah, fantastic. Well, that's great to hear. Um, so you started your graduate program there, um, but now your your current role is with the APS Academy. Can you tell us a bit about what you do there? Yeah, so I've been on a little bit of a journey around yeah. the APS. So after my grad program, I worked in an area called Education for Sustainability. So that really aligned my passion and interest around learning and um, sustainability and the environment. Um, I then um, moved into the leadership development program. Again, um, really interested in that kind of development. And I was lucky enough to get a promotion into a executive, executive level role at the APSC. Yep. So that was about a decade ago, my first, my, my first tour of the APSC, when they were setting up the the Centre for Leadership uh, and Learning. It was quite different to what it is today, but still a lot of the, the same um, programs in that, that we ran. I stayed for a couple of years and then uh, looking for a change, I went to Austrade. Okay. So Austrade, again, um, uh, it was really interesting because it was with a global workforce. So a really geographically distributed uh, workforce and I was working in the capability development team. So the challenge was, well, how do you how do, you do capability development when your team is so dispersed? Um, so I spent eight years at Austrade <laughs> so because it was just such a fantastic place to work. And I my focus was really on using technology to, do, to deliver learning. Um, I tried a bit of that when I was in France and I, I, it was interesting on how we delivered languages through using early technology. Um, and so I applied that at Austrade and um, that's where the idea of our cohort-based social learning delivery method came from. Um, the APSC was looking at new ways of delivery and that's how I moved to the APSC to to apply this cohort-based social learning uh, across the APS. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and you also have a focus on graduate development. Can you tell us uh, some of the qualities that employers in the APS are looking for their grads and, and junior staff? And what sort of skills do you expect to be in high demand in the APS for the next five years? Yeah, so, so that's really interesting because at the moment there's uh, a real wall for the talent of graduates. There are fewer graduates coming out of uh, onto the market and there's more competition for those graduates. Um, so what the APS is looking for is our future leaders. Um, 
through the graduate programs. And I think what we're seeing more and more is that shift away from skills to mindsets. And we talked a little bit before about, well, what does that mean? Um, so I know that um, in the academy, we're always looking for that curiosity mindset. So people that are, you know, seeking out uh, seeking out information and new ways of doing things and, and eager to learn. So with that mindset uh, of curiosity, there also comes a learning agility. Um, so, and then some people say the only real skill you need is the ability to learn. So learn how to learn uh, and then you'll be, you'll be able to pick up any skill. Um, so I guess when we talk about mindsets, it's the, it's the learning agility, it's the um, growth mindset. And I think what's going to be really important is the ability of um, employees to collaborate, to collaborate across networks, build relationships, because it's going to be uh, more of the high-performing performing team that is going to achieve things rather than the individual. Yeah, okay. So there are some skills that are important, but also partly is, is I guess, the ability to, to learn new things and actually wanting to continually develop. Yeah, and we've also seen the development of the professional streams in the APS. Yep. So the idea with the professional streams, like coming into the public service as a digital grad or a, a data mm -hmm. grad, is that you know we, we believe that these skills will be in scarcity. So how do we attract people early and how do we keep them? How do we retain them in the public service? So, you know, the, the, those professional skills uh, streams are also an indicator of what the public service is looking for to build. Yeah, sure. Um, I want to shift our focus now to the topic of the APS reform agenda. And this is an important topic for the future of the Australian public service. Um, can you tell us a bit about how this might impact the way we work in the APS and, and how grads might be involved in that? Yeah, so I'm not sure whether the graduates, and, and I'm sure that probably new, new prospective graduates haven't yeah. heard about the APS reform agenda. So um, the APS reform office currently sits in um, the Prime Minister and Cabinet um, department, but it is moving across to the Australian Public Service Commission. And that office has four main priorities. Um, and the, I'll just run through the four sure. priorities. The first one is an APS that embodies integrity in everything it does. So integrity is a really, really important priority as part of the APS reform. And um, if you're a current grad, you'll see all the initiatives that are being rolled out to, to build integrity across the public service. The second priority, priority two, is about the APS, it puts people and business at the centre of policy and service. So we know to get better outcomes, we have to include our users. And some of you would be familiar about human-centred design, and it's that idea of putting the user at the centre of everything you do. And if you're on the current APS graduate development program, you would have done a course in that too. Priority three is an APS that is a model employer. So how do we attract and retain uh, great people, it, that's about being the best employer that we can can be. And the final priority, and the prior, this is the priority that I'm largely involved in, is an APS that has the capability to do its job well. So how do we make sure that we uh, recruit for, but also develop the capabilities that the Australian Public Service needs? 
There was a really valuable insights from Kristen during that segment. Well, in this conversation, we didn't get to dive deep into each topic. There are some additional resources available in the show notes, so I encourage you to check them out. Next, we'll listen to the Q&A session, uh, which featured questions from current and aspiring APS grads in the audience. And there's some really great questions in this session, so let's tune in. Hello, thank you so much. This is Natasha here. My question was, um, with the rise of technology, including AI, where do you see the future of these technologies in the public service and also in terms of graduate development? Thank you. What a fantastic question. Yeah, so, oh, we had a great discussion with the CSIRO around this. Um, So fascinating, exciting and frightening at the same time. So the rate of how the how this AI and ChatGPT and regenerative oh it's just it's just amazing but it's moving so rapidly how are we going to harness that is a question I think that the APS is still grappling with we kicked off our course for the graduates on writing for government with a discussion around ChatGPT and the discussion just took off. And it was a live discussion and there were things happening. Bill Gates was blogging about it. Everyone was talking about it. And it was just fascinating. But I think your question about how do we work with AI to to enhance everything that we do um, is really, really exciting. I don't think we've cracked that yet. But we're kind of imagining that AI will be like a team member. You'll have an additional person in your team. Um, it's great for generating ideas. Is there a way that we could um, keep it secure within the public service? I'm not sure how we could do that. But again, um, obviously we have sensitive information that can't be shared through these kind of platforms. And most agencies have a policy against using uh, AI without uh, specific um, safety barriers around it. But yeah, I, I think we're going to see a real transformation on on what we do and how we do things with this regenerative AI. Yeah, great question. Mm. Okay. And to, to follow up from that, yeah, so it might be sort of needing to find a balance between a really useful tool, but also managing, I guess, the security concerns around that. So would AI, do you see there's a future sort of somewhere in between those sort of two concerns? Yeah, I think, yeah, it'd be interesting what they they come up with around um, guidelines in, in using AI, but I definitely think it's really going to impact your workplace um, and it's moving so quickly, who knows what will, will happen next, but I it's it's going to play a huge in in every area of your lives. I think it's going to play a huge role. Thank you for talking to us, Kristen. I wanted to ask you about you you address the professional screens and how they're used to address potential skill shortages in the APS in the future. What do you think is going to be the most concerning potential skill shortage in the future? Um, well, what I've been reading is obviously digital the digital skills and the and the data skills um that's that's what i've been reading but i wonder if uh i I wonder if the ability to collaborate with others and those human skills are not going to come more to the 
forefront as AI takes over the other things, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, I was with the CSIRO event the other day. They were talking about using using AI to do coding and all these great things, and they were super productive. And even in engineering, like using AI to build sophisticated things. And I thought, well, what does that leave us? That leaves us being human, doesn't it? How do we how do we develop those skills to really be able to collaborate and 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 those 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 human skills? But I must say, um, looking at this this year's graduate cohort, I am just blown away by this the skills that they have, whether it's digital or whether it's data. I just think that every graduate I've seen, no matter what discipline they've come from, they seem to be like really well equipped with these skills. Um, so I, I think that's really exciting. Right. Yeah, thanks very much, Christian, and thanks very much, Callum, for hosting. And uh, um, uh, my question is on um, just keeping in mind APS reform. What are the greatest challenges that you see for um, for the APS over the next five years? I think maybe this AI one might be a, a, a really big challenge. Um, that's a really good question, and I'm not sure whether I'm the best place person to respond to that because I as a as a director I am occupied more with the day-to-day than with the bigger issues Um, but I think it's going to be about the recruitment and retention of talent Um, at the moment uh, the area that I work in also oversees um, talent management identification and succession planning so how are we going to make sure that we've got the right people in in the in these roles? And I think um, the expectations from the public is growing. Their trust is declining. I think these are really big big challenges. But but that's a it's a, that's a really good question. And I wonder that would be a great commit question for the APS commissioner. What keeps him up at night and what what he's thinking about? Hi, um, my name is Gina, and my question is a bit related to um, your response to the last question, where you um, raised, you cited some concerns about um, the recruitment and retain retainment of of talent. Um, so, um, in that light, um, I was just wondering. So, what are some things that you think that the APS can do, or you're aware that the APS is currently doing to attract more graduates into the public service? Yeah. Um, well, I think our development offering is really attractive. Um, the APS has always been an employer which offered great flexibility, but everybody has caught up with that. So we're not, you know, it's nothing special to offer that flexibility. But I think it's about offering those really unique and interesting pathways. And of course, the purpose. I think why you join the public service most people are there for a very strong purpose. They want to serve the public. So I think that is a really, really fantastic employee value proposition to say that it's it's working purpose. So in terms of attracting graduates too, we've got a new culturally and linguistically diverse diversity strategy. So we need to make sure that all parts of the community are represented in, in our workforce. 
And I think we'll, we'll, we'll see more and more culturally and linguistic diverse people joining the public service too. Well, again, there were some really good questions there from the audience. And maybe some of you who were there in the audience are listening to this episode now. Well, that concludes part one of this episode. I hope you learned something new. Part two will air next week and it'll feature more insights from Kristen about the future of the APS. There'll also be a Vox Pop segment where we interviewed some of our audience in the episode. So be sure to join us for that. For more Grandcast content, you can check out our socials at Grandcast on LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok. Gradcast is a production by Content Group, sponsored by the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, CSC. Thanks for tuning in, and see you next week.